One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. The Tennis Podcast. The Tennis Podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We come to you just a few hours after Novak Djokovic won his 29th Masters 1000 title, his 64th career title, equaling the hall of Bjorn Borg and Pete Sampras. What names to have already equaled when he's still very much at his peak. He laid down another significant marker ahead of the French Open in just a few weeks' time, and he did it by beating Andy Murray in the final. Myself, David Law, and Catherine Whittaker are here to talk about it. Catherine is in Madrid. Where are you exactly? Are you still overlooking that monstrous magic box centre court, Catherine? I'm not now. I've retreated uh, to the hotel room uh, that I'm in in the city centre. So a bit of a way away from the uh, the Kaya Magica. My time there is over for another year. Over for another year, but a, a pretty memorable final in the end, wasn't it? It was memorable. It, it was, um, yeah. It was. It was. A, it wasn't what I was expecting at all. The final today. I think uh, to start with, it was. I mean, it felt like deja vu all over again to start with. You know, we had Djokovic come into the press conference yesterday, ask asked to to preview uh, the final with Andy Murray, and the first thing he said was, "Well, the start, the opening few games, and the opening set are going to be the most important thing." And Andy Murray would have known that as well as Novak Djokovic knew it, and yet still. It was that slow, slow start from Andy Murray, which he's just got to find a way to, to not do that. He's got to find a way to come out and be firing from the word go. A little bit like Kane Ishigori was yesterday. I know he didn't end up winning, but he was absolutely on it from the very first point. Um, but then the match changed completely and it really, really surprised, I think, everybody that was watching. I think Andy Murray surprised everybody that was watching. And, and that third set could have been very different it could i know 6-3 suggests that uh that Djokovic was on top throughout but it, until he got that break it, it, it in fact there were probably more moments where it, it felt like Andy Murray was going to come out on top and that final game i mean that was almost a standalone match wasn't it seven break back points for Murray uh and he couldn't take any of them most of them 
he played pretty well on. Uh, I think there's a couple that might be keeping him up tonight. But yeah, it, it was a match that really, really surprised me in a number of ways. have to say it didn't surprise me hugely. Uh, I, I, I feel as though we've been there a lot over the last couple of years since Sandy Murray won Wimbledon. If you think about it, he's lost now 12 of 13 matches against Novak Djokovic. And it seems to me he either loses very straightforwardly in straight sets and it's it's not much of a contest, or he plays exceptionally well for part of it and can look like the better player at times during the match. If you think back to the French Open semi-final last year, if you think back to the Australian Open final of last year, there have been a number of these matches where he's... He's looked as though he is the, the stronger physical player, the, the guy who can overpower Novak Djokovic when he's really hitting the ball out of the centre of the racket. But the same result keeps happening. And I, I think that you're quite right about the start. Uh, I, but I actually think now the start is, is basically becoming a Novak Djokovic trademark. He has beaten Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal and Andy Murray in the first set he played against them in the first three matches of the year he played against them he beat them all 6-1 and he 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 raced out to 6-2 today and yes Murray didn't start as well as he could have done but Djokovic just doesn't let you yeah I mean that was Andy Murray's story as well that was his take on it but uh, it's impossible to diagnose how much of it is is Djokovic being brilliant and how much of it is 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 Andy Murray not coming out firing but for me he seemed to grow a couple of inches in the second set there was more muscle on the ball there was a sort of there were more arrow like quality on he was hitting a lot deeper there was there was a lot more purpose on the ball I really saw a difference in the way Murray was hitting the ball between the first and the second set and and yes some of that can be put down to to Djokovic taking the time away from him earlier in that first set but then you know the stats don't lie his first serve percentage was low to start the match it finished really well he finished at 71% first serves in and that was because he served at around about 80 or 80% or more for uh, for the the end of the first set and and the subsequent two sets but to start with you know he, he I think he got one first serve in in that opening game and he was broken not good enough and that is absolutely in his own hands so yes Djokovic was brilliant but you've got to give yourself the best possible chance and I don't think Murray did that today no, uh, well, I think that's certainly fair enough in terms of th- that first set. I-, I just feel that, generally speaking, Djokovic now is 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 rising, raising his level when he plays the biggest matches, which is what the very great champions of the sport do. He he he's almost able to cruise to the finals a lot of the time these days, and then when he gets there, he finds another gear altogether, and it, and he seems to find an even greater gear when it is Federer, Nadal or Murray who's his opponent in those finals it will be interesting to see what happens if he were to play Stan Wawrinka in the next couple of weeks either in Rome or in Roland Garros uh, and and to see whether there's anything Stan can do about it but he obviously needs to have one of his great days and you never quite know what you're going to get from Stan Wawrinka do you so well, it's been a while since we've seen a great day from him that's for sure but what, what I would say the only last thing I would say about the match is in terms of crumbs of comfort 
uh, for for the best of the rest. He did get nervous today. He did see you did see really visible signs of nerves and signs of tension. And and there have been p- points in the past year or so with Djokovic where he's looked so invincible. He's looked like he hasn't suffered from nerves or tension in the way that other players do. Of course he does, but he hasn't shown any evidence of it on the court. And for me, that's at least a tiny chink in the armour and a chink which might grow a bit bigger at the French Open where he's likely to be feeling more nerves and more tension than anywhere else in the world at any other moment in time. So it's something. It's something (laughs) for... For someone to cling to when they walk onto the court to him, uh, to face him, it's not much, but it's something. She's got that straw and she's going to clutch it. Uh, there was a very nice bit of uh, sportsmanship between the two players, Andy Murray basically disputing a, 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 a time violation given to Novak Djokovic by the umpire. Andy Murray was saying, well, why, why have you given him that? I mean, I wasn't ready to receive his serve. It's not his fault, um, which, which I thought was a, a nice touch. Yeah, he's all he he's a fantastic sportsman, isn't he, Andy Murray? You you you, you can't fault that for a second. I think that it's I I do have sympathy though having said that with the umpires over the time violation situation because I don't think they can do right for doing wrong, really. They sort of need to try and make a point, but there's so there's such little consistency on the matter that that they're uh, they're between a rock and a hard place, really. Um, so I, I felt a little bit for Mohamed Leani, but yeah, credit to Andy Murray. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, Djokovic uh, sent a nice uh, tweet to Andy Murray uh, just to, to thank him anyway today, which was uh, all very cosy after beating him to smithereens on the tennis court, which is uh, what tennis players tend to do. Uh, just uh, before we uh, get on to talk about the uh, the women's final and the and the, the tournament we had there, let's just hear from Andy Murray, but first from the champion, Novak Djokovic. Of course, I did not want to to let that ser- service game go um, because I know that that Andy will capitalize on his opportunities and start to to play better if if he broke my serve. So I fought, I fought very hard, and um, and I'm just glad that I managed to finish that game. It came at the at the right time. I mean, I had a, a an amazing uh, opening four months of the season. Then you know, early exit in Monte Carlo, and uh, but. It happened for a reason because I needed some time to to really recharge my batteries and three weeks was more than enough to get some freshness and get some new breath. And and I came here early, got used to the conditions and played a really fantastic tournament that um, will definitely serve as a great confidence boost before Rome and, and of course, French Open where I want to arrive in, in the best possible shape. He played unbelievable at the start, and like I said yesterday, it was a completely different game, you know, to, to playing against uh, Rafa, you know, Novak's obviously played significantly flatter, stands much closer to the baseline, he returns much closer to the baseline, so there's less less time, and yeah, maybe, uh, you know, it was, took me a while to, to adjust to that, but he he started extremely well. I just think I'm definitely moving better, that's for sure. And it makes a huge difference because, like I said, on the other surfaces, it's a massive strength of mine. It's a big part of my game. And, you know, for a number of years, I, I didn't move well on, on the clay and it was, you know, a hindrance. And that makes you uncomfortable. You know, when I was having the problems with my back, it was difficult for me when I was stepping on the court. Whereas now, you know, my body feels great. I feel like I'm moving a lot better. So I'm not going on the 
the court sort of a little bit nervous or apprehensive, um, I believe I can play well on, on clay now. So there's Djokovic and Murray. And Catherine, you know, I think after the it was after the first set, I, I just thought, I mean, now this is perhaps something that people have been thinking for months and for years, and this is no great revelation. But after the first set, I suddenly got this real hunch that this is the year. This is the year that Djokovic is going to win the French Open. I, I, can, I can feel it coming. And the, the, the rationale behind it, aside from just some silly gut feeling that I have, is, is the way he's starting matches, the way he's jumping on opponents that should be a great challenge to him. I know Murray managed to muscle his way into the match and make it a contest, but I don't think he's going to let it slip this time, Djokovic. I think this is the year. I think so too. I thought so last year, though. I mean, I, mean, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I think it is, but I also think things can happen. It's, it's, this is my new mantra. Uh, things can happen. I, I perhaps don't feel quite as sure about it as you, but I'm absolutely predicting uh, that he will win the French Open. How can anybody not? How can anybody not predict him to win anything? At the moment, I don't see how I don't see how you can. No, I agree with that. I, I I just remember banging on the whole year last year about Nadal, and obviously he's he's playing better this time than he did last time. But obviously he hadn't lost for so many years is 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 what made me feel that that that, that was the going to be the ultimately deciding match. Obviously that turned out not to be the case. It was Vavrinka. I don't feel as though. I think the odds are even longer that Lightning will strike twice in that regard. And all the other odds are in Djokovic's favour, but it just still, aside from all that, it still comes down for me to just this feeling that he is able to elevate himself now in the biggest matches and just jump on these guys and just shock them before they've even really got, got themselves a firm footing in a match. He's a break or two up. And, uh, and I, I, yeah... I think I think it's, it's yeah. His time. I mean, I agree with you. And and on the subject of of Nadal, I know the conditions here in Madrid are a lot less like Roland Garros than than are the conditions in Monte Carlo and Rome and Barcelona, for that matter. I know that this is the least accurate barometer this warm up tournament for form at Roland Garros. But what I've seen here. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. In, in, in actual fact, a lot of what I saw in Monte Carlo, I, I do. he's made strides, no doubt. But I, I still do. I, I think if he plays Djokovic in Rome or in Roland Garros, I think he will get taken to task. I have to say, I think he's still really quite a way off. That That's my diagnosis. He, he's, he's made big improvements. He's getting there. He might yet make more improvements. I'm not writing him off completely, but I do think he's still a way off. Indeed. Now, the women's final, won by Simona Halep, who hasn't had too many results to celebrate of late, but she certainly did uh, this week. That was a a cracking run to the title. And from a position where I I remember watching her earlier in the week, losing, I think she lost a six-love set a couple of rounds earlier. And she can go walk about a bit, can Simona Halep, but she's also quite capable of going on and winning the French Open from here. Yeah, she she looked utterly just delighted, relieved to win that title. I think it's it's no uh, it's no secret, is it, how much she struggled with the expectation of being a top level player. I think ever since she had that amazing clay court run and really was brought to to the forefront of everyone's attention a couple of years ago, and of course reached the French Open final. I think she's struggled since then with with her new status, and I don't think she's uh, she's tried to hide that. Um, and she, you know, confidence is obviously a huge factor in in her game. There's no doubt she has the game, uh, but it's so affected by confidence. You know, you can see it on the court, as you say. Sometimes there just feels like there's no explanation for her losing a set six love, um, and it's obviously entirely mental. Uh, and it was very interesting seeing her play Sam Stoza in the semi-finals because she seems to be afflicted with exactly the same problem uh, but Hallett by far the better that day and uh, although Sybil Kova gave a good account of herself in the final Hallett was really strong she was there to, to do business yesterday uh, and a very very deserving winner no lapses in concentration in focus she was there to get the job done to get a big title ahead of Roland Garros and try to steer herself uh, in the direction of of that elusive Grand Slam because she's good enough to win one. She is. Talking of uh, six love sets, the woman she beat, Dominika Sivalkova, in the final actually was love six, love three down against Caroline Garcia a couple of rounds earlier. And she managed to turn that round and yeah. win. And it did occur to me at that, that point that that probably tells you something a little bit about both of those two. Yeah, I mean, that was an extraordinary match. And, and in fact, I can't quite remember who it is, and I apologise because they deserve a bit of credit, but somebody tweeted at 6-love-3-love when uh, Garcia went, I think, love 30 down. Somebody tweeted, the whole thing's going to turn around right here. Uh, and that <laughs> that seemed bold at the time. And then... It uh, it's just started unfolding before our eyes, and it was happening. It was definitely me who sure, tweeted that. Sure, sure, David. And it, it it was funny though. As soon as you saw Caroline Garcia lose her serve, as soon as Sybil Kova got on the board, 
Sybil Kova seemed to know that she was completely back in the match, even though she had only won a game and she was still setting a breakdown. The whole press room seemed to know that the whole tide had turned. And lo and behold, it, it just fell away from Caroline Garcia. And boy, I mean, I know she's still young, but boy, has she got things to sort out. Um, you know, talk about people struggling with the expectation on her shoulders. The, I mean, what a way to set yourself up going into your home Grand Slam where, you know, the French press, I think, generally they have very good relationships with their players. They're able to have really open open discussions with their players and, and you know, really develop good relationships with them. But, you know, they're not... They, they are... They are, I think, I was going to say unforgiving, but I think that's a bit harsh. They are, you know, they're they're very fair judges. And I think if they see a player not fulfilling potential, they can be a bit harsh on that. You know, I know Luca Puy is somebody that's had quite a rough ride from the French press and he's starting to get some good results now. Uh, and they're starting to ease up on him a bit. But poor Caroline Garcia, I mean, these are, these must be slightly dark days for her, really. Well, she's so rich in talent. I mean, it's it's so clearly all there in terms of the the basics of her game and her physique and all, all the things that you would kind of want to put coordinates into a computer and produce a, an ideal looking tennis player. And and she just I don't know. She does look a little bit flimsy mentally to me. I never feel completely confident that she's going to be able to 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 see it out when she's in command of a match. Uh, it was a funny women's tournament generally wasn't it i mean in the in the quarterfinals uh, what, there was there were more romanians than there were top 20 players there were four romanians and just one top 20 player and that was simona halep yeah it was amazing there were two empty desks next to me uh, throughout the beginning of the week and uh, on i think it was thursday or friday uh, they were being occupied by some Romanian journalists who had uh, flown in for the for the very big occasion, really. And of course, a uh, a Romanian also won the won the men's doubles title. Horia um, Tikau and Jean Julien Roger won the men's doubles title, so a very worthwhile week for them. Uh, and they, yeah, they were getting increasingly excited with every day uh, that went by. That was a real, a really nice sub narrative to the whole week. And, and they do get a heck of a following in terms of the fans around the world. In t- when there's a, a Romanian player playing, there there are always fans in the stands. It seems to me. Uh, I tell you, I I decided, Catherine, you'll be very pleased to know. I decided to run a poll. Uh, after the women's final, just to say who's going to win the French Open uh, women's title. My, That's my unpollable, David, because you need more than four options. You need to put every player, you need about 128 players in the poll. Well, no, but it's easily covered by my shorthand because I had Serena Williams, Victoria Azarenka, Simona Halep, or someone else. Right, I'm guessing someone else won. No, someone else came second behind Victoria Azarenka. Just about creeping into third position is Serena Williams on 19%, Simona Halep on 16 someone else on 29 and Victoria Azarenka running away with it at 36%. What do you think? I think I haven't seen Victoria Azarenka on, on clay yet, um, so I'll, I'll reserve judgment. Well, she only played one match, didn't she? She beat Laura Robson, which I did see, actually, and Robson, great to see her hitting the ball properly again, although she... she 
has now lost in uh, qualifying in Rome as well. I mean, it's a tough thing to come back on clay, isn't it, for her? But she was hitting the ball nicely. But Azarenka decided, I think, as much as anything, to to be careful and, and pull out ahead of her next match when she felt a bit of a twinge. Yeah, I mean, Rome's going to be very interesting. Um, I do hope I do hope she plays. I think she will be very keen to play because, you know, uh, presumably she needs the matches. I, I, I feel objectively that she needs the matches. Um, and uh, yeah, now she's being talked about as well potentially the favourite for the French Open. That's uh, that's a really big deal for her to be back in that position. Um, and and Clay's not her favourite surface, so it, it is absolutely wide open on paper, isn't it? But Serena Williams looks like she returns next week in Rome. She's already there. I've seen video of her practicing. It's going to be fascinating. That will be live on BT Sport if you're in the UK, if you want to watch uh, uh, the tournament in Rome. Oh, I'm actually commentating there in about nine hours' time, Catherine. I, I better go to bed soon. I'm going to have about four hours sleep, take a train for two hours, and then go That's and commentate. That's you do your best work, David, after only four, four hours' sleep. You're like Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> David Law and Margaret Thatcher, two peas in a pod. Is that a compliment? <laughs> in some respects. Okay, I'll assume it is one. Um, now, uh, just a word on Rome. The, the, have you seen the top half of the men's draw? It's hilarious. Uh, d- these are the names that are in the top half uh, of the men's draw. Only two of these can be semi-finalists. Djokovic, Monfils, Raonic, Kyrgios, Nadal, Federer yeah, and Nishikori. Yeah, it's a bit ridiculous, isn't it? Poor Federer. Poor Federer just wants to get some matches under his belt and it's... Uh, the uh, the fates are rather conspiring against him. It's going to be very very interesting, Rome. Really, really looking forward to to being able to enjoy that week as a fan. Because because looking at the draw, looking at all of the storylines going on in the men's and the women's game, it just is really really mouth watering. So you're bailing out of the clay court swing, Catherine. Two two rungs down, and you've decided not to go on the third one. I am a bit, yeah. I mean, it's a tough slog, a tough slog doing Madrid and Rome back to back. I did it last year. There were an awful lot of journalists leaving the press room uh, tonight at a similar time to me at around about eleven p.m. Who have flights to Rome at uh, nine o'clock ish tomorrow morning, as I did last year. And uh, as wonderful as I think Rome will be. I, I I can't honestly say uh, that I was envious of them, but maybe I will be. You know, midway into next week, when the heat wave in London has faded and Rome is looking glorious on the telly, maybe I will change my mind. But it, it's a it's a tough slog. Tough slog. Sitting there watching tennis for a living. Oh, I don't know these people. First of all, David Law's talking about commentary being this slog. Now Catherine Whitaker's moaning about going to Rome and Madrid. Yeah, first world problems on the tennis podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, now, if you haven't already heard, uh, the Aegon Championships at the Queen's Club has announced its uh, strongest ever field of players with 16 of the world's top 30 playing. Um, so it is going to be a heck of a draw. That that's the, your Is that your next tournament, Catherine, or do you go to the French Open? I will be going to Paris, so I'm not. I'm not permanently bailing out of the uh, of the clay court swing. Swing. I'm just preserving myself in order to peak at the big events, David. Like all 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 the greats do. Whereas I'm just, I've just basically withdrawn 
from the French Open. I, I don't go there. Uh, uh, incidentally, as well, 15 of the world's top 30 are going to be in Birmingham, my home town, for the Aegon Classic for the women's tournament, uh, which is the same week as Queen's. Loads going on there. The, the match I'm doing tomorrow morning, Catherine, is Coco Vanderwey against uh, Venus Williams. I, I love watching Coco Vanderwey because she is a bit volatile, and if she gets angry, my word, the rackets know about it. Yeah, she pushes all of your aggro buttons, doesn't she, David? Oh, she's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. And the return of Venus Williams, we haven't seen her around for a while, so look forward to that. Uh, but I, I think Rome's going to be a, a really interesting tournament on both sides, and... Well, it feels a little bit like normal service has resumed. That Yuri Vesely loss suddenly feels like quite a long time ago for Djokovic. Greg Rosetsky was on Sky today saying that he thinks that that could actually help Djokovic. Uh, and, uh, I mean, personally, I don't think anything can hurt Djokovic just at the moment unless he gets injured. Um, he, he just seems to be cruising along just fine and Catherine now is going to cruise over to the United Kingdom and get back where she belongs for a week as well like you Catherine and have about how much sleep do you intend to have over the next seven days well over the the next few hours not very much at all over the next seven days an extraordinary amount of sleep David an extra I mean it's 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 what I do if you think I do podcasting well which you probably don't I mean I do sleeping 10 times better than I do podcasting. Did you get any tennis in yourself this week ahead of our big match? I I didn't. I, I didn't. No. I did. Of course not, David. A, don't need the practice. B, not had the time. But C, point A. But okay, fine. Well, you know, it's your loss. You're the one who's going to suffer as a result of it. But anyway, uh, Catherine, lovely to talk to you in uh, in sunny Madrid. Uh, do have a safe trip home, and we will speak to you soon here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with the Telegraph. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.